Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Joe Biden called January 6th the worst attack on democracy since the Civil War. The Department of Justice opened a new unit specifically to focus on domestic terrorism on the anniversary of January 6th. Leading into the midterm elections, this was the big narrative. The threats to democracy. January 6th. Attacking his political opponents, labeling almost 75 million Americans as domestic terrorists. This is what Joe Biden did heading into the midterm elections. It was all a lie. The narrative was carefully crafted from select footage that was released by the media without questions asked. New footage released by Tucker Carlson given to him by Speaker Kevin McCarthy over 40,000 hours of footage shows that that narrative was a lie. We were lied to about January 6th. Yes, there were bad actors, but by and large, it was rather peaceful. We were lied to about the QAnon shaman, Jake and Chansley, who through footage was actually escorted throughout the Capitol by police. We were lied to about Officer Brian Sicknick. And we also know that Ray Epps lied to Congress about how long he was at the Capitol. Why were we lied to? And what do these lies mean? Do they change the legal landscape for the, the people who have been charged? The people who have been sent to jail over what happened on January 6th? I mean, if you really think about it, this false narrative has dramatically changed the landscape of our country, the fabric of our country. It's appended the rule of law. It has allowed the Department of Justice to use tools to target political opponents. It's changed the political narrative. It's shaped a narrative where half of the country view the other half as domestic terrorists. We'll talk to Julie Kelly about what all of this means what you need to know about the footage, why it matters, and how the Department of Justice has used selective footage to target their political opponents with Julie Kelly. She's a senior writer for American Greatness. She's the author of January 6th, How Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right. She's joined the show a couple of times before, and she has fought so hard to try to get to the truth of what really happened on January 6th, and she joins us next. (laughs) 
Well, Julie, thanks so much for joining the show. And thanks for really staying on this January stuff uh, more than anyone. You've just uh, been on it reporting and trying to get to the truth. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you, Lisa. And thanks for helping to cover my work, get it out to your listeners and your followers on social media. Uh, I think, you know, it's been very helpful to get uh, my work and coverage out to to your audience. So thank you. Well, and it's always important to get to the truth, but you know, even more importantly than that, I mean, we're, we're saying the rule of law will be appended because of this. So, I mean, it's changing our country uh, substantially. And so, you know, that's why it's so important to get the truth out there and to talk about all this. You know, so Julie, we know that uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy released over 40,000 hours of footage from January 6th. He gave it to Tucker Carlson. Uh, from what you've seen so far, what do people need to know about what that new footage shows? Well, I just want to back up a little bit first. I know there was a lot of, I wouldn't say outrage, but disappointment that this video was first going to be not accessed by Tucker and his team. I supported that, um, I think, for the very reason why we see the outcomes of what happened. It really had to be a surgical strike. It was imperative that the zone was not flooded with a bunch of different clips from different areas, maybe from people who really don't understand uh, what happened, how it unfolded that day, where to look. So what Tucker's team did very effectively is get a few clips that contradicted the narrative that created sort of this very sympathetic figure, Jacob Chansley, who he has been. I've covered Jacob's tragic case since the spring of 2021. And so what people realized, number one, is there were a lot of different things happening at different times on January 6th. But more importantly, Lisa, that the government, this DOJ, with the help of the media, shockingly, has concealed so much footage from the American people, to your point, that is really changing the country that we live in. Because they have launched this war on domestic terror against Americans on the right. They're using their unfettered, unaccountable authority uh, to conceal evidence, manipulate evidence, um, distort things, even in courtrooms, uh, to, to criminalize political dissent. So I think there's a, there's a bigger uh, interest now, Lisa, and hunger from the American people, at least the ones who want an honest country and an honest government, to get all of the evidence available as quickly as possible. Well, and for instance, you mentioned uh, Jacob Chansley. He was kind of, you know, known by the media called the QAnon shaman. Uh, So basically what we see in the footage is him really being escorted around the Capitol. Yet this man was sentenced to 41 months in prison. How do you square those two things? Well, I mean, you, you can't. And let's talk a little bit about Jacob's case. Lisa, the events of obviously January 6th was on a Wednesday. The government convened a grand jury on Friday, January 8th. Jacob Chansley was indicted by a grand jury on Monday the 11th. Five days later, you're telling me the government had all of it, all of its evidence, presented it to a grand jury. They deliberated it, deliberated it and considered it carefully before charging him with serious felonies like civil disorder and obstruction of an official proceeding. It's almost like, Lisa, the DOJ was ready to go with these charges after January 6th. You'll recall the D.C. U.S. attorney, Michael Sherwin, uh, the acting D.C. U.S. attorney, 
the next day on the 12th gave this big press conference. Uh, you know, we're going to hunt you down. You know, the FBI director, uh, Washington field office, Stephen D'Antuano said, we're going to use every resource we have. This is going to be a 24 seven, you know, nonstop crusade to arrest people and hold them accountable. I mean, it was insane and crazy. And Jacob Chansley was really the face of what happened that day. But we weren't told the truth. And even more shockingly, Lisa, he was held in solitary confinement conditions for over 300 days under pretrial detention orders. Federal Judge Royce Lambert, a Reagan appointee, refused to release Jacob, even though he has no criminal history. He's a Navy veteran. He suffers from mental health issues, which Judge Lambert acknowledged in the summer of 2021 nonetheless allowed him to be tormented as a political prisoner into finally accepting a plea deal for obstruction of an official proceeding for which the government wanted Jacob 41 to 51 months in jail. Judge Lambert cruelly, heartlessly sentenced him to 41 months in prison. He's been in jail now for 26 months uh, and is expected to be released, I think, later this year. We'll take a quick commercial break. More with Julie Kelly on January 6th. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Does this new footage change the legal landscape? Can people appeal their cases now that the footage shows things like Jacob Chansley being escorted around by police officers hardly looks like a threat when they're, you know, walking with him and, and showing him being peaceful as well as the majority of the individuals who were there on that day? Does, does this new footage 
Does it change the legal landscape at all? Well, it does because you already have um, attorneys who are filing motions to delay trials or say release from custody based on the fact that the government did not produce all of the discovery, obviously exculpatory evidence that could show different angles about what their client did, as we saw in the Chansley case. Um, and so I don't believe any of the judges uh, in on this D.C. District Court who've acted as nothing more than a rubber stamp for DOJ. We see this playing out in the Proud Boys trial even today. Uh, we can get to that in a minute. But they are filing motions. Uh, but you already had a judge the new incoming chief judge, by the way, who denied an emergency motion by a woman who was going on trial for numerous offenses and said, we want to see all the tapes that Tucker's team has access to, that Congress has withheld from defendants and their attorneys for two years. And that judge denied her motion. And after a three-day trial and about two hours of deliberation by a D.C. jury, she was found guilty on all counts. That's the sort of thing that's been happening in this D.C. district courthouse for the past year. I mean, that is just terrifying uh, to hear. You know, the, the truth doesn't matter to, to this judge. The truth doesn't matter to the Department of Justice. In fact, it you know seems like they've intentionally distorted the facts to try to you know target their political opponents. You know, I, before we get into that a little bit more, I also wanted to, you know, the Brian uh, Sicknick, story also, you know, sort of changes the dynamics of that because you've had the, the left, the media have tried to say that, you know, essentially he, he died as a result, result of the January 6th attack. But, you know, there's footage showing him, you know, walking around after the mob, you know, attacked him and he seems to, you know, being doing fine. It, it sort of contradicts uh, some of the narrative on him as well. Oh, it totally does. I mean, and again, you have men who were swept up in that um unfair portrayal of what happened to Brian Sicknick. You know, let's go back to Brian Sicknick. The New York Times reported on January 8th that he had been murdered, bludgeoned to death by uh, Trump supporters using a fire extinguisher. That was the narrative that was promoted by Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, obviously the news media for weeks. This resulted in a very rare memorial service for Brian Sicknick in the Capitol Rotunda, where even Joe Biden and Jill Biden attended that ceremony. He was eulogized by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, all under the guise that he had been murdered by Trump supporters on January 6th. His remains were then transported to Arlington National Cemetery. I mean, he got a hero's burial. Now, look, it's tragic that Brian Signet, by all accounts, a really good guy, died of a stroke at the age of 42. Uh, there were witness reports that said they saw him kind of sick later that night. Um, he wasn't getting the medical attention apparently that he needed. But what we did see in what Tucker released is that after the alleged spraying, and keep in mind, the cops were dousing people and they were actually getting maced themselves because the winds were kicking all of their pepper spray back in their faces. And Brian Sicknick probably um, was also a victim of that as well. But then you saw him walking around the Capitol. He looked fine. There's other body-worn camera footage, Lisa, that showed Brian Sicknick on the upper terrace. He's using water to you know, pour out the pepper spray in his eyes like a lot of officers were doing. And so, you know, they delayed his autopsy results. Finally, the New York Times admitted that the fire extinguisher story was not true. 
No one got fired. No one apologized for lying about it. But then they shifted to he might have suffered an allergic reaction to pepper spray. For that, two men were arrested in March of 2021 for attacking Brian Sicknick. They also were denied release from custody. A man named Julian Cater, one was released because actually his detention was overturned. But one man was held in the D.C. Gulag for 18 months, a man named Julian Cater, accused of pepper spraying Brian Sicknick. There's video showing him using a small pepper spray. You shouldn't pepper spray police officers, right? Even if they're attacking and assaulting you, I guess you're not supposed to defend yourself. That's a whole other question. He was detained for 18 months, finally pleaded guilty to attacking Brian Sicknick, and he was sentenced to 71 months in prison. Brian Sicknick's family and ex-girlfriend showed up at the sentencing hearing to give victim impact statements. The idea that Julian Cater was responsible for Brian Sicknick's death. I mean, this is like Kafkaesque stuff going on. You know, we're worried about Vladimir Putin being some authoritarian thug. Like, we have worse things happening in our own nation's capital. The idea that someone could sit in solitary confinement for 18 months, or at least the D.C. Gulag, not all of it in solitary, I'll correct that, denied bail because he allegedly sprayed an officer. When we saw it happen throughout 2020, we see it happen in cities every night, Lisa, where violent criminals attack police officers. They're not denied bail and then sentenced to 71 months in prison. We have an unequal, very dangerous, destructive system of justice. And when Mayor Garland says, oh, we don't have one standard for Democrats and one for Republicans, it's a flagrant lie. Um, So the Brian Sicknick story was also a falsehood. And I think that that in itself brought attention to the whole uh, manufactured narrative about Officer Sicknick. Well, and then you also have an unequal application of the individual's who the law being applied to the individuals that were there that day. I mean, you have someone like Ray Epps. The footage also shows that, you know, Ray Epps lied about how long he was at the Capitol. Um, you know, why why is he seemingly unscathed from all of this? We don't know, Lisa. And what I I've said is Jacob Chansley is to the J6 political prisoners what Ray, what Ray Epps is to suspected agitators or paid provocateurs, right? People need sort of a face. They need a name. They need, you know, the backstory to what's happening. The fact that Ray Epps lied um, and, and the fact that he was on restricted grounds for over an hour and a half. He also was at the very first physical, uh, the breach of the exterior line. So police basically designated the entire Capitol lawn as restricted area. Ray Epps was in the very first group of people who knocked over bike racks or metal racks and ran up the stairs on the west side. He was right there. He actually whispered in the ear of a man named Ryan Samsall, the guy in the backwards facing uh, MAGA hat, as Ray Epp, or excuse me, Ryan Samsall knocked over the bike racks and a police officer. Ray Epps whispered in his ear right before that. We still don't know what Ray Epps said. Um, and so his activity is very suspicious on its face. But the fact that he's not charged 26 months later and that the January 6th committee came out in his defense when people were raising these questions, like Darren Beatty at Revolver News and, of course, Tucker Carlson, um, they still have no explanation for it. And his transcript that was released really doesn't make any sense either. 
He said he was not employed by any federal agency. Okay, fine. But there are a lot of other political interests that could have hired Ray Epps to do what he was doing. There's still no good explanation why he does not face, at the very least, misdemeanors like parading at the Capitol or trespassing on restricted grounds like so many others have face those charges. Well, and what's interesting is the narrative against Tucker Carlson releasing the footage and being given the footage is that somehow it's going to make the Capitol vulnerable to attacks. But my understanding is that Nancy Pelosi's filmmaker daughter was given access to footage to make a documentary. She was also there that day filming. I believe Nancy Pelosi was mic'd up. What can you give us a little bit of insight into that? Is that all accurate? What do people need to know about that? And, and why is it OK for her to be showing the Capitol, but not uh, Tucker Carlson? That's right. I mean, she was showing the Capitol. It's weird that she would show up on January 6th if we are to believe that nothing was supposed to happen that day. Right. I mean, we were told law enforcement was caught off guard. That's why the Capitol was unprotected. Donald Trump incited his uh, followers that day after his speech to storm the Capitol. Well, why was her filmmaker daughter there? So she recorded every basically every movement of Nancy Pelosi, including underground uh, when the House was being evacuated. How did Nancy Pelosi's daughter get access or authorization to go to a secure location at Fort McNair where congressional leaders were evacuated to? We don't have answers to any of that. But Lisa, of course, she's not the only documentarian, filmmaker, photographer who was there January 6th. The place was crawling with filmmakers and documentarians from around the world. There were photographers planted in certain areas, including the Senate chambers, including Nancy Pelosi's office, where they urged Richard Barnett, the guy who put his feet up on her, one of her desks, not her desks, urged him to put his feet up on the desk so they could take a picture. That picture went viral that afternoon, even by Nancy Pelosi's other daughter, Christina. So that's why all of this looks more and more coordinated behind the scenes. Um, and so, yes, her daughter was there. Her daughter has been contacting um, J6 defendants for almost two years trying to get their story so she can create this documentary, I assume make a lot of money, and lever leverage her mother's position of power and fame to do so. Um, so, but again, she there were a lot of filmmakers and photographers there just happened to be there lisa well you know and this all raises suspicions obviously that they knew you know something was was incoming and failed to protect uh, the capital from it but e even further i mean there have been confirmed reports that the fbi was involved in some of the planning or, or you know the intricacies of what happened on january 6th that's been confirmed obviously suspicions ray epps was was a fed but what specifically do we know as a matter of fact about the fbi's involvement in all of this we know for a fact Lisa, that FBI informants were run into groups like the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys months before January 6th. That has been established in court filings and at trial. Um, we also know that the FBI, DOJ, had elite FBI forces stationed at Quantico the weekend before January 6th. This included informants, or excuse me, probably undercover agents who were then deployed to Washington, D.C. early that day. We don't really know what they were doing. We have new body cam footage, and in fact, there is a motion pending in court right now, new body cam footage that shows at least five undercover agents who are walking plainclothes agents who are armed 
walking to the Capitol on January 6th, confronted by a D.C. Metro police officer, said, hey, are you guys carrying firearms? Yeah, we are. Well, why? And they all showed their badges. So what were they doing? A few of them were then seen behind Ashley Babbitt as she was entering the Capitol, and one of them reportedly can be heard urging people to go inside the building. As Tucker said last week, his crew, his team of researchers, saw very suspicious people inside the building opening doors, showing people where to go, encouraging to go into certain rooms. Um, But because they couldn't identify them, of course, you don't want to instantly assign blame uh, that they were undercover uh, or undercover agents or informants. But look, Christopher Ray refuses to answer this question over and over. Um, He was not interviewed by the January 6th Select Committee, by the way, Lisa. Imagine that. The FBI director, the the man in, in charge of the most powerful law enforcement agency in the country, was not interviewed by the January 6th uh, committee. There's a reason why. Uh, Because if they had omitted questions about informants, which we know is true, uh, then it would have revealed a cover-up. But the fact that he wasn't interviewed at all also indicates a cover-up of uh, deep FBI involvement. And one has to look no further, Lisa, than the Whitmer Fednapping hoax that was engineered and executed by not only the FBI to make it look like Trump supporters, militiamen, white supremacists tried to uh, abduct and assassinate Gretchen Whitmer, the guy who was in charge of the Michigan FBI field office who oversaw that fednapping hoax was promoted to the Washington field office in October of 2020. He oversaw all the intelligence collection of January 6th, would have known about informants uh, or other assets that were used, deployed before and on January 6th. A man named Stephen D'Antuano, he also was not interviewed by the January 6th committee. Well, and of course, what's scary about all this is this has been used to target political opponents to expand, you know, the, the power of the Department of Justice going after American citizens. And, you know, we know the first anniversary of January 6th, the, the FBI opened a new unit to combat, quote unquote, domestic terrorism. Uh, you wrote the book on it, January 6th, how Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. Uh, get into some of the details and what people need to know about how the Department of Justice has leveraged this day to target political opponents. Oh, geez, where do I start? <laughs> Let's see. Well, first of all, um, using the FBI to investigate and interrogate and round up hundreds of Americans charged with low level misdemeanors like parading in the Capitol. Lisa, you know this. People are entitled to demonstrate on behalf of a political cause in the nation's capital. They're allowed to go into public buildings to do so. We have recent examples of hundreds of protesters in 2018 storming Senate office buildings coming face to face with U.S. senators screaming at them, following them down the street, as we saw with Lindsey Graham, confronting them in elevators like we saw with Senator Jeff Flake. Those women were told to leave. Uh, They did basically a sit-in in the Senate. They were removed. They were charged with the usual thing, $50 fine, you're allowed to leave, you know, you're let go, you're not sent to a DC gulag where you languish in solitary confinement for months or a few years. So um, that is the biggest disparity. So they're criminalizing political dissent, whether it's by this ridiculous class B misdemeanor 
um, parading in the Capitol, which is the most common charge by far, by the way, or bastardizing something called obstruction of an official proceeding, a post-Enron law that has to do with tampering with evidence in a congressional investigation, not exercising um, your political, uh, your constitutional rights to engage in a political protest. It's never been used this way before, Lisa, never was intended to be used this way. But this DOJ, um, as I explained with Jacob Chantley, this DOJ has um, levied that felony charge against roughly 320 people. It has resulted in plea deals that has then resulted in years in prison. That was the charge that Matthew Perna uh, pleaded guilty to. He thought he would spend a few weeks, maybe a few months in jail when he found out that the government was going to come back and, and uh, ask for years in prison for that nonviolent offense, that is when Matthew Perna could take no more and hanged himself in his garage at the end of February of 2022. And I know you're familiar with that story. These are just a few examples of what this Department of Justice is doing. And the Republicans, for the most part, have not just been silent, they're complicit. 18 Republican senators, including Lindsey Graham and Tom Cotton, and I believe Mitch, not Mitch McConnell, voted to give the Department of Justice a $3.5 billion raise, partially so they could hire at least 100 part-time prosecutors to continue this investigation and these trials and plea deals. Um, it, it, it's just, it's heartbreaking for the defendants and their families because it's such a rigged judicial, political, and legal system. They have no way out. Although I do want to give Speaker Kevin McCarthy credit for doing this and thank him for doing this, especially standing in direct opposition of uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who has opposed what Kevin McCarthy just did in, in the releasing of this footage. Isn't it just absolutely shameful? And I do want to com commend uh, Speaker McCarthy, and he also said this weekend on Fox, I'm sure you saw it, Lisa, uh, that he intends to make this publicly available. So I really want to commend him for that. This is a huge win for truth and transparency, and the fact that Mitch McConnell uh, and Mitt Romney and Senator Kevin Kramer and Senator Tom Tillis and Senator Lindsey Graham have come out to denounce Tucker Carlson's access to these tapes and releasing them. I mean, this is actual footage, right? Tucker Carlson didn't hire actors and go to the Capitol to reenact January 6th and make it look like something it wasn't. This is legitimate security video. Uh, so for them to denounce this, whether it was national security or rewriting the events of January 6th, as I said in my piece last week, the data from the DOJ speaks for itself, no matter how much they're using this to destroy lives, even with low-level misdemeanor offenses. Um, the fact is that the overwhelming number of charges relate to misdemeanors. If you were going to name January 6th based on the charges that DOJ is coming up with, it would be called a parade because that's the biggest charge. So. He's not rewriting history. Tucker is actually backing up DOJ's own statistics on its prosecution. But uh, look, I, I just don't know what we do with this Republican Senate. Uh, they are uh, enemies of their own base. And I just don't know how we get rid of these people, but we really need to. Well, you know, especially when someone like Mitch McConnell, it would be, you know, almost impossible to to try to get him to, to lose unless he, you know, it's really just retirement is kind of the, the only way that, you know, to try to get him out. Um, you know, I, I want to and you, you can tell, too, 
Uh, the vehement response to Tucker's releasing of this footage sort of tells you everything you need to know. I mean, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer took to the Senate floor to talk about it, calling it one of the most shameful hours uh, of television. Uh, you've got the view that we're calling on Merrick Garland to take action. Uh, I mean, I, I think the response from the media and the left really tells you everything you need to know about why they fought so hard to, to keep this footage from the public. The idea that the most powerful, one of the most powerful politicians in the country can take to the Senate floor and demand basically the removal of arguably the most powerful journalist, influencer, commentator on the right, uh, and no one condemns him. I mean, we are we are in banana republic territory, Lisa, as as you can see. And the fact that I, I didn't see a lot of Republican senators, even people you consider on our side, come out and condemn him for saying that. And then he went out afterwards, talked to reporters where he repeated his demand that Tucker should be taken off the air, not allowed to air more footage. And reporters, instead of confronting him for obvious you know, government interference in 1A rights went along with it. You know, they didn't say, hey, Chuck Schumer, you're way out of line. You know, we don't agree with Tucker. We don't like him, whatever. But you shouldn't be on the Senate floor demanding he be taken off the air. Um, but they didn't because, of course, they are fully invested in preserving the narrative about January 6th as well. They've helped create it as much as DOJ or the January 6th committee. Well, and then you can also look at how important this narrative is to them. I mean, you look at leading into the midterms. I mean, they had, they had the, the January 6th committee was aired in primetime. Uh, you know, the threat to democracy was the big narrative from the left. I mean, Joe Biden said that this is like the biggest attack to our democracy since the Civil War. Uh, or the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. So, I mean, so this narrative, I mean, this is imperative for them. They want this narrative heading into the presidential election. And, and this footage really threatens to deny them uh, what is a false narrative. That's right. And look, if there is an alternative J6 committee, which a few Republicans now are calling for, I believe Representative Paul Gosar is one of them, they need to hold the media accountable for this, too. There was no need for these committee hearings to be televised on every single broadcast network uh, whenever the January 6th committee demanded it. Cable news, fine, but these networks, and of course we know, you know, they hired an ABC entertainment producer to put together all these shiny packages about what happened, dramatic packages where they overlaid audio on surveillance video that has no recording, audio recording, by the way. So um, they need to be held accountable, too. And that needs to be part of any investigation into this committee or DOJ or any part of January 6th. But look, the American people, and we saw this in the Rasmussen poll, 80 percent. It's like the only thing Americans agree on. 80 percent want all the surveillance video released. 61 percent, including almost a majority of Democrats, think that federal agents provoked the events of January 6th. This has taken on a life of its own. Uh, the Biden regime, Democrats, rhino Republicans, and of course the national news media are in full panic mode. That's why you see them scrambling uh, to try to counteract what Tucker presented, what's happening in these trials, uh, and what more is to come. But uh, I think the, the ship has sailed on that, and uh, Republicans are hearing this from their base. This is a top issue for Republican voters and base, and I'm sure that you know that too. 
there's no way Republicans, at least in the House, can get away with ignoring this or not addressing it now. Quick commercial break. More with Julie Kelly. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you faced threats for reporting on all of this so extensively? Um, you know, no, uh, except for weird people on Twitter, you know, bots who are paid to sort of malign my reporting. Um, but uh, no, I mean, nothing, nothing serious that I would take seriously. I get that question a lot. And you just, I guess you can't live in fear, you know, um, you, you have to, nothing that I'm reporting is a lie. If people want to dispute details of my coverage, that's fine. Um, but when I'm posting motions that are filed in court or what's happening in court or evidence that's been presented, uh, it's kind of hard to, to dispute that. So, um, no, no, I would say overall, no, not yet. Anyway, you know, before we go, you know, we've got this new uh, Judiciary Committee, the Select sub Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Federal Government. You've got Speaker Kevin McCarthy releasing this footage. There does seem to be some desire to, you know, expose to get to the bottom of some of this. Uh, what should Congress do? What would you like to see them do on all of this? Look, I would ideally like to see them put their biggest uh, bulldogs pit pit bulls, whatever you want to call them, on a separate committee 
give them full authority, give them access to all the video, all the documents that the January 6th uh, committee produced that are now hidden away in over 100 banker's boxes that no one's looked at, uh, have them access all the witness testimony, have them show how the January 6th committee manipulated things to deceive the American people. But more importantly, I think, hold DOJ and these federal judges publicly accountable for what they've done and what they are doing to Trump supporters in the nation's capital. That, uh, in an ideal world, is what I would like. And I do think that there might be some momentum uh, in that direction. Well, I also think it's just important for, for people to know just as we've discussed during all of this, just how extensively the fabric of the country has changed because of a false narrative, the you know pending of the rule of law and the equal application of the law, the political process, the political dynamics of the country, the lies that were told uh, heading into the election, the, the destruction of so many lives, as you discussed throughout this episode as well. So, I mean, so much has changed as a result of this and so much damage has been done, which is why we appreciate you, Julie Kelly, for reporting on all of this, staying on top of it more than than anyone else and really just fighting to, to get to the truth, which the truth is, you know, the most important thing we have. Well, I want to thank you, too, Lisa. A lot of people with a big audience would not really cover my work or talk about what I was finding out early on. And you have from the beginning, I think our first conversation was about the political prisoner. So I want to thank you uh, as well for your courage, because it certainly has not been very popular topic on the right over the last uh, year and a half, but that is dramatically shifting. So I thank you for being a fighter with me from the beginning. Well, I really appreciate that. And everyone go check out uh, Julie's book, January 6th, How Democrats Use the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right uh, would give you more insight into the conversation we just had. Julie Kelly, thanks so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Lisa. Hope to talk with you again soon. That was Julie Kelly uh, talking about the new footage on January 6th, sort of exposing a lot of the lies that we've been told by the media, the political left, and even some on the right, sadly. Uh, you know, she's been reporting extensively about this, and you know, we thank her for that, that bravery and just wanting to tell the truth. I want to thank you guys at home for listening to the show every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together as always. Uh, and, you know, feel free to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts uh, or, you know, give us uh, a review. Take care. Until next time. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.